Thank you for listening to the Faith Free Lutheran Sermon Archive. Today's sermon for the third Sunday in Advent is preached by Pastor Jason Goodham. If you have questions or comments about today's sermon, please call the church office at 612-824-5527 or visit our website, faithlutheran-aflc.org. Now let's join in and hear what God has to say to us today. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. I would at this time invite you to stand as I read the sermon text pointed for this Sunday. The sermon is taken from Psalm 146, can be found on page 980 in your pew Bible if you'd like to follow along. Reading in Jesus' name, Psalm 146. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord, O my soul. I will praise the Lord as long as I live. I will sing praises to my God while I have my being. Put not your trust in princes, in a son of man in whom there is no salvation. When his breath departs, he returns to the earth. On that very day, his plans perish. Blessed is he whose help is the God of Jacob, whose hope is in the Lord his God, who made heaven and earth, the sea, and all that is in them, who keeps faith forever, who executes justice for the oppressed, who gives food to the hungry. The Lord sets the prisoners free. The Lord opens the eyes of the blind. The Lord lifts up those who are bowed down. The Lord loves the righteous. The Lord watches over the sojourners. He upholds the widow and the fatherless, but the way of the wicked he brings to ruin. The Lord will reign forever. Your God, O Zion, to all generations. Praise the Lord. Heavenly Father, these are your words, and your word is truth. We pray that this morning you would sanctify us in the truth, that you would convict us of sin in our lives where that is necessary, and that you would comfort and encourage us with the promises of your gospel. In your name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. I believe... It's a familiar sentence generally used to describe the concept of faith, and it's a sentence commonly uttered in the season we're living in. Entire movies have been made about the topic about belief. In fact, my family just this week watched Miracle on 34th Street. I'm not going to get too far into the plot of that movie. You guys can watch it. I don't even think spoiler alerts apply to that one. But what does the phrase, I believe, mean now in the 21st century? Most times, it has less to do with faith and more to do with wishful thinking. Consider the ad campaign for this year's World Cup, especially for the American team. The entire campaign was built around the concept first of belief in Santa Claus, with the upshot being that enough, if enough fans got invested, we could will the United States to their first ever World Cup title in a sport that's probably like 12th or 15th in popularity here in the United States. But the problem with wishful thinking as the expression of faith is that faith is only ever as good as its object. And this year, the U.S. men's soccer team was not a very good object for one's faith. And so what happens when the object of your faith fails you? In the case of temporal things, you can convince yourself the result was good enough. Hey, the men's team got out of the group stage, which was a fair result for a country that cares nothing about soccer except every four years. 
But what if the stakes of your faith are more significant? What if we're talking about eternal consequences? That's the point of the psalm for today. Today, the psalmist provides us with the perfect opportunity for examining the nature of faith, what happens when that faith fails, and what happens when that faith is rooted in the God of the universe. And so first, we look at bad faith. Faith in man. Now, the first major section of Psalm 146, the psalmist begins by telling us a poor object for our faith is man. Any man. Any human. Really, that's what it is. And he only gives us one reason why. Humans die. There's nothing eternal about human life here on earth. Which means, if you are ultimately putting your trust in a human for political power, for glory, for prosperity, sooner or later, they're going to fail you simply because they're going to die. For the one who pursues and achieves political power, there's no political power for a dead king. For one that pursues prosperity, well, you can't take it with you. For one that pursues glory, it might be that you leave a lasting legacy, which you will not be able to enjoy, but it might be tomorrow's culture looks unfavorably upon you for what you did today. Whatever the situation, life is fleeting and humans fail you. And so the warning is to not put your trust in man. But most importantly, the argument the psalmist is building toward this morning is if a person dies, they can't save you. Because salvation belongs in the realm of eternity. And so the psalmist pivots. And he spends the rest of his time talking about good faith. Faith in God. It's really what the next two major sections of the psalm are all about. And so first, we have faith in God because of what he does. Simply put, God is the creator. And then later, we find out that he's faithful forever. There are two simple descriptions of God's activity, but they speak to us both of the eternality of God. God as creator means that God was there before the beginning of the beginning. Now, God as creator should mean a lot of different things to us as Christians. He provides for us. He's generous to us. He's in control. Major articles of our faith are built on God as creator. The first article of the Apostles' Creed, the fourth petition of the Lord's Prayer, they all point us to the glorious reality of God as creator. But from the perspective of Psalm 146, the real focus here is that God existed before time. God existed in eternity past, which is a rich and deep thought, especially when it's paired with his perfect and eternal faithfulness. God 
is faithful forever. God's gracious and loving actions extend into the eternal future. Which means, unlike any man who will die, God will be around forever because he's already been around forever doing what God does. Which brings us to the second reason why we have faith in God. We have faith in God because of who he loves. Now, this might seem like an odd comparison because it doesn't necessarily match up with the limitations of man. Except that it does when you stop to think about the comparison being made. During this week, I did a little bit of research to try to illustrate this comparison, and we'll see if you get it from this stat. According to one study, the average American knows about 600 different people. For those of us who are introverts, that sounds like an awful lot of people, right? But in the scope of the global population, if my math is right, and you have no reason to believe that my math is right, but I tried anyway, 600 people represents 8.5 millionth of 1% of the population of the entire planet. Even if I'm wrong, that's an impossibly small number to comprehend. Man can't be a good savior simply because man has a limited knowledge of who needs to be saved. God, on the other hand, not only loves well, he loves many. God loves the oppressed and the hungry. God loves the prisoners and the blind. He loves those who are bowed down and those who are righteous. He loves the sojourner, the widow, and the fatherless. In short, if you are in any kind of need, God loves you. God loves you and he cares for you and he provides for you and he does so perfectly. There is no limit to God's love. And there is no limit to who God loves. And this brings us to the last category of people God loves. God loves the wicked. God loves the wicked by bringing them to ruin. Now, to our American ears, that doesn't sound very loving. In fact, it sounds like punishment. But that's exactly the point. God, in his grace and in his mercy, will apply his law to the wicked and sinful person. And that includes you and me. And the whole point of God's law is to make us terrified of our sins and of the consequences of our sins. And the whole point of God's law is to drive us to God himself for mercy and forgiveness. And this is where we get to the point where we find ourselves in need of God's mercy and forgiveness. Remember, God loves those who are in need. The eternal, loving God meets us with his mercy and forgiveness for all eternity. So that the result of this entire psalm is that our faith is strengthened. 
And when our faith is strengthened, we erupt in praise to the God of the universe. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord, O my soul. I will praise the Lord as long as I live. I will sing praises to God while I have my being. Our faith is anchored and it grows not when we are sincere, not in our wishful thinking. Our faith is anchored and it grows when the object of our faith is good. When the object of our faith is the God of the universe who loved us, who provides for us, and who saves us and redeems us from our sins for all eternity with the blood of His only Son, Jesus Christ. God provides for those who are in need. God provides exactly what we need when we are in need. And we proclaim and sing the praises of all those who have had faith in God. The Lord reigns forever. Your God, O Zion, to all generations. Praise the Lord. Man will fail you, but God never ever fails. Amen. And now may the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen.